Hello and welcome back again for another wonderful week with Kent and the steering team. As always, you are joined by myself, Drew, and my colleague, Philip. Unfortunately, Kent can't be here this week. He's still in the cinema. He couldn't tear himself away from those thrilling end credits. Anyway, on with the show. Uh, how are you this week, Philip? I'm quite well, Mr. Drew, um, considering the fact that I'm also not here. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm pretty good, though. Otherwise, I would hope. Hopefully uh, not posthumous, um, based on the fact that you never know what's going to be happening in the wonderful world of India. Um, yeah, good. Thank you. And how are you, Mr. Drew? Well, I'm good for hearing your voice, since I haven't been hearing it for the last few days. Which sounds weird when everyone knows that we've pre-recorded this, but whatever. We're, we're having a conversation we're, about we're, how we're feeling when we're not doing this. <laughs> uh, quite bizarre. It'll be really trippy when we listen back on it. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a weird to edit this one, that's for sure. And it'll, of course, be quite weird to hear this when it goes live, when it does in... Uh, two weeks from now or whatever it is that this uh, goes live um, of course as promised though we are here still even though I'm not uh, in Sydney uh, and uh, as promised we're going to be bringing you some top tens of course indeed indeed and of course this week's top 10 being the first of our top tens is the number one top 10 which is which is our top 10 movies. So that's all time. So this is quite a hard list to, to come up with. There's some... I think we both have different... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Prerequisites or criteria um, for coming up with the top 10. Um, I have mine and you have yours. Uh, and so what we'll do is we'll, we'll go through... We'll, we'll, I guess, go through our top 10s. I see. This is what we need to decide. Do we want to do it where we go... I do my number 10, you do your number 10, then I do yes. my number 9. Do we yes. do that? Or do we do yes, my 10 and your 10? Do that? Yeah, I just thought about that then because I didn't, I hadn't even considered yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, we, we go back and forth one for one. Okay, no worries. What, what's what's harsh is you've been mapping out this thing for months trying to get your one right. It hasn't changed though. It's, it's the same as it was when I first thought of it. I know, but I've... I had half an hour to think of it because I couldn't fall asleep. So that's what I did. I came up with my top 10. So don't think that I, I've been sitting on this and going, well, I've had months to... I've, I worked it out in one go and I've not touched it. I had 10 minutes of you did trying well. to piece it. To, I think I did all right. Now, just a, a brief preface for all of you. These lists are subject to change for us. Of we course. Are, ask, ask anyone that knows the two of us. We are moody. And our moods change as such. So our taste in movies changes too. It does. So bear How with us. However, having said that though, with this list, I've tried to combat myself on that. So I, my prerequisite, prerequisites or criteria were that I had to look at it not just, I think, number of times that I've watched it. So, I, I mean, I don't know the exact count of movies, how many times I've watched them, but, I, you know... Mm. Number of times that I've watched them, the feeling I get watching them, how much I enjoy watching them, how many times I've watched them through to the end, uh, the nostalgic factor of them as well, um, 
not ruling out new current movies, of course, because, you know, they, they definitely have their place on it too. Um, and also, uh, there's one other criteria, something along the lines of, you know, um, I, I'm sure I might have watched movies lots of times, but I might not necessarily have wanted to watch that movie so many times or something like that. You know, there's so many movies that have been on TV that I've watched a lot of times. But anyway, that was my criteria. I don't know if yours was similar or different or... Mine mine was the ones that I know in my heart that I absolutely adore. It was the ones I've watched a lot of times, the ones that bring me joy, the ones that have had a profound influence on my life. Excellent. So Excellent. it's 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 something. So obviously, if you're listening to the show, you know that Phil and I are both very, uh, very big movie fans, um, and that it does actually play a bit of a part in who we are. Yeah, and it's true. Absolutely. Yeah, and and that's a lot of where this comes from. So bear with us, but we'll dive right in. Um, you have the distinct honor of going first i thank you i was gonna nominate you for first of course at the end of this we'll give our notable mentions as well notable mentions can either be just notable mentions or otherwise known as the movies that just miss out on the top 10 it will probably place between you know 11 and 15 on the list um mm. alrighty, my number 10 is the film misery misery is one of my I, I, I can't say one of my favorite movies. Of course it is. This is top 10 about my favorite movies. Uh, Misery <laughs> is a great story starring one of my favorite actresses in Kathy Bates um, and James Caan. Um, and, you know, Misery is great. It tells the story of a total psychopath um, who is obsessed with this this author, Paul Sheldon, um, she plays Annie Wilkes, and uh, you know, so so Paul Sheldon has a car accident after writing his favorite novel or his uh, his novel series, and is thought to be lost or missing or dead or something. When in reality, he's found by uh, Annie Wilkes, and as uh, we think to to begin, that Annie Wilkes Wilkes is just looking after him, happens to be a nurse who's happened to stumble across him and happened to be looking after him and happens to be a fan. Ah, uh, well, no, really, she's a total psychopath and hangs on to him. And the movie, with its twists and turns and suspense and um, gruesome moments and, um, yeah, the, the way the way that, that Kathy, Bakes, Kathy Bates performs <laughs> Annie Wilkes is superb. And, yeah, it's a great story. It's a great story with... You know, when's it going to come undone? How far will this go? How stuck is he? And how does he get away? Um, you know, it's that 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 real life stalker sort of situation where what happens if the stalker gets the prey? And who are they? And what are their intentions? So, yeah, it's, it's a great story. It, it's quite old, based on the Stephen King novel, Misery, of course. Uh, and, yeah, it's a great film. Drew, I don't think you've seen it. I have not. But I really need you to see it because it's such, such a, 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 it's such a slick, kind of scary story. It's great. I love that kind of story, so I'm mm. keen to watch it. Absolutely. 
Yeah, that was my top 10. That was Well, that was my number 10. That's your number 10. Mm. All right, my number 10. Um, God, it, it was hard to... It was hard to pick one that rounded out in in at number 10. But number 10 for me is the Blues Brothers. Mm-hmm. Now, I really shouldn't need to explain the, the plot too much. But I do feel like there are a lot of people out there who know of the Blues Brothers or maybe watched it when they were younger. But they don't know what it is actually about. It's about these two brothers, Jake and Elwood Blues, who grew up in an orphanage and... They've spent a bit of time in prison. They've now come out only to only to find out that their orphanage, their childhood orphanage, is about to shut down. So they believe that they've been sent on a mission from God to to put on a show that will get them the money to save the orphanage. I think that's a that's a fair description of it. I would say so. The the film is stacked with cameos galore. Even Steven Spielberg acts in the movie, which is something that just never happens. Um, Carrie Fisher with a flamethrower is a particular highlight for me. And of course, the incredible music with the likes of James Brown, Ray Charles, Aretha Franklin, and the Blues Brothers band themselves just this film is amazing i i have always loved it some of my earliest memories of watching movies with my parents is sitting down and watching the blues brothers and it's a very special film and if you haven't seen it you need to make a beeline for it i i would completely agree it's um i did held the record for most cars used in a movie or most car crashes used in a movie or something like that for Most a long time, crashes, up until yeah. Fast and Furious. Yeah, up until Fast and Furious 6 or something like that, it held that record. Yeah, which was yeah. a long time. That's a terrific record. It also, for a long time, it, it surprised me that it was um, uh, Dan Aykroyd in it. I didn't know that as a child that it was Dan Aykroyd because I'd only ever seen Dan Aykroyd in, well, I thought I'd only seen him in, in Ghostbusters and suddenly, no, that's Dan Aykroyd. The, the tall, thin one is, is Dan Aykroyd. This, I just was blown away by that uh, i think my father would agree with having that one in the top 10 yeah. uh and i yeah absolutely completely agree my number nine number nine for me is castaway now castaway is a um described as an american epic survival film um directed by robert zemeckis uh starring tom hanks and helen hunt and that's really it, if you think about it, because there's the only other person in that film is Wilson, the uh, Wilson volleyball. Um, and essentially, if you haven't seen it, of course, Tom Hanks is a FedEx pilot who gets rushed away uh, with a last minute call up to go on a flight. He, as he says to his girlfriend, as he leaves the car on Christmas Eve or something like that, or the day before Christmas, mm. I'll be right back. And he rushes off to the plane, and then they crash in the ocean, and he's gone, and he's on this island. He find he wakes up on this this uh, this island, and is there for two years or something like that. Yeah, I can never remember how long he's there for, but he's he's there on his own, and he starts to go a little bit stir crazy, and that's why he ends up talking to this Paul Wilson. Um, 
and then it's about him surviving on this island and the the change to his physique and also to his mental state and then his desire still to get out of there and what's going to inspire him to do it and he gets when he gets away what does the world hold him him it's such a it's a, such a sad movie because it, it's so well acted. It's just unfortunate that that year, I think it was Gladiator, was also up for um, uh, adjudication in all the, the large American awards um, or film awards. And so mm. Tom Hanks lost out to um, Russell Crowe for actor, a best actor that year. Um, but the way Tom Hanks... Tom Hanks's character doesn't ever recover. What he lost is gone. His life that he knew is gone. The world's left him behind because he was stuck on this island, almost in pause. Um, and at the very end of the movie, he has a speech that, or a monologue that he that he says uh, while speaking to a friend of his, and it's about he's so sad that you know, he's alone and his world's gone and his girlfriend's not there for him anymore. And, um, but he has to keep going like he did on the Island. He just has to keep on living and breathing and see what the next day brings. And as sad as it is that he's in that situation, his strength and his willpower and just dedication to just keep on going because he doesn't mm. know what's going to happen next. It's such a sad movie. It, despite the fact that it's meant to be a almost a inspiring kind of thing, at the same time, to watch Castaway and not be sad and, and felt moved by his loneliness and the fact that his world's gone and he's alive but dead. It's incredible. It's, yeah, it's just that, it's a winner for me. That shot of the crossroads at the end of the movie? Mm. Yeah, that it's moment- such a metaphor. It stuck with me forever from the first time I watched that movie. I have never forgotten that moment. Same with the music, though. The music's so beautiful by Alan Silvestri. Mm. Um, I use that song, the theme song to, of Castaway, to, to fall asleep sometimes because it's it makes you think, but it's just so sweet and it's so it's so good and it's it fits with the movie so well. There are often movies where the soundtrack doesn't fit, but Castaway, it just is amazing so yeah that's number nine that's a good number nine Mm. um for me number nine it it probably should be higher up on the list but you know what it's like i said this list is constantly changing for me number nine is titanic now for those of you that are not aware I have a very, very, very deep love of everything to do with Titanic. Amen. As does Philip. And as we discovered, as does our dear friend Svenja. So, um, it was quite a weird coincidence when we all discovered that one. But, yeah, Titanic, I... I was always interested in the ship when I was little and then the movie came about and my parents bought it for me for, I don't know, I was like seven years old or something or eight, like for Christmas or my birthday or something, they bought it for me on video. I watched that movie so many times that the taper ended up snapping in the machine a few years later. 
I've had a tape do that. I wore it thin and it snapped. It's just, it's an incredible film. I, I can talk about it for hours. I have talked about it for hours. But at the end of the day, it just, it, it delivers. It absolutely delivers. And it doesn't matter how many times you watch it. It's still amazing. Uh, and it, yeah, it'd be it'd be criminal if I didn't put it on my my top ten. No, Titanic's a fantastic film. Um, yeah, I won't say say much more on it myself, but yeah, Titanic is an amazing film. Yeah. All right, what's your number eight? Number eight, Inglorious Bastards. Oh, I think Inglorious Bastards is great choice. In fact, Inglorious Bastards is the youngest movie on this list for me. Interesting. Um, Inglorious Bastards is an amazing film by Quentin Tarantino, and what a cast it has as well. Um, it tells almost a spaghetti western style of World War Two. It tells it in such a inaccurate but fun sort of way, while still highlighting some real emotions and feelings about it, um, and some interesting real characters um portrayed in very different ways uh it it's such a fun movie and i've watched it so many times and it never gets old the way the opening scenes with christoph waltz and his conversation with the french farmer that monologue of his and the power struggle between the two the way they're wrestling, who has control of the situation and mm. how the other feels. Even the uh, metaphor for the pipe, the fact that um, the farmer's pipe is just a basic wooden little pipe and then Christoph Waltz's Hans Lander's pipe is this magnificent kind of constructed, polished, um, fancy, ridiculous-looking pipe. Um, yeah, that, that sort of thing. And, and the bastards led by Brad Pitt, um, the, the way they're so crude and so unforgiving and kind of looking at the Germans as non-human in, in what they want with the, I want, was it 300 Nazi scalps kind of thing. You know, he's just so gung-ho, but it's terrific. And, and then the ignorance of the Americans there as well, despite the fact that they're kicking ass as well on this secret mission, they're, they're, they're ignorant and stupid a little bit. they dense. They are yeah, so dense. But it's just so good and so good to watch and told in such a great way, the story. And little um, interjections and cuts and stuff like that. It's just such a well-made film. So I love it so much. And I, I still remember when I went and saw it at the cinema and I was like, I don't want to see this. I don't care about this. I wanted to see something else. But a mate of mine picked it and we watched it. And I walked out of there because I had no idea what it was about, but I didn't care about it. And I walked <laughs> out of there going, that was one of the best movie experiences I've ever had. Such a great film. So it's number eight. Yep. Yep. All right, number eight for me. Now, this is um, from one of my all-time favorite directors, Tim Burton's Beetlejuice. He is the ghost with the most. He is the name in laughter from the hereafter. Michael Keaton plays a bio-exorcist who is called upon by a recently deceased young couple, played by Alec Baldwin and Gina Davis, 
who are determined to get the new people out of their home. And so Beetlejuice comes along to help teach them how to spook the new owners out of the house. I don't even know where to begin with it. It's funny. It's wonderful. It's beautiful in its imagery with an incredible score from Danny Elfman. I, I love it. And I've seen it more times than I care to remember. Would you say you've seen Beetlejuice three times? Get it? At, l- at least, but we're not going to name him three times. Now, oh, are no. we, Philip? <laughs> no, 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 I won't make that mistake again. No. <laughs> anyway, that's my number eight. <laughs> All right, my number seven now. First comedy on the list, Rat Race. Oh, Rat yes. Race is my number seven. Uh, what yes. a car! It's you know, see, ensemble movies are often they they can be great, but they're not always spectacular, which is sad because with such unbelievable casting, why would it not be such a success? Um, so you've got to here know we go. How to cast? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the fact that in this film, John Cleese, Rowan Atkinson, Cuba Gooding Jr., Whoopi Goldberg. Seth Green, we had John Lovitz, we have Brecken Meyer, Amy Smart, we have Wayne Knight. Um, you know, like, they they yeah, Rowan Atkinson. Um, they're our main kind of famous people, of course. There's an extended cast beyond that, that they just support it so well. But memorable lines in that. Kathy Bates, again, makes an appearance in there as well as the, the squirrel lady. Um, should have bought a squirrel. You sh- should have bought a squirrel. Of course I know, I'm not retarded, she says. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there, there's great lines in the movie, and the, the the Nazi scene is one of my family's favorite scenes. We can quote that even with my cousins. We laugh our asses the off at that scene. The trip to the Barbie Museum. <laughs> Barbie Museum. John Lovitz having the uh, cigarette lighter go in his mouth and burn his tongue <laughs> so he can't talk, and then he burns his thumb or his uh, rude finger and then he gets the lipstick on the steering wheel and hits the wheel and then he ends up at a world war two um remembrance day thing like it's just there's so much to the movie that's just so good it's such a funny complete movie and it's just such a bag of laughs it's just fantastic cuba gooding jr with the lucy's <laughs> with the <laughs> i love lucy's on the bus Oh, like it's just such a funny movie. I love it so much, and I've watched it a it's million times. It's one of those times. ones that it makes you roar with laughter. Yeah, you can't, and every single time, and half the time you're laughing because of nostalgia. Half the time you're laughing because, despite the fact you've seen the scene a million times, it's still just hilarious. It still so delivers. Good. Yeah, it's such, and exactly, it stands up today. That's the most important thing. It stands up today such a quality film like it's dead set it, it it deserves its place in the top 10 um oh, i love it love it so much and yeah that's oh. my number seven great film all right my number seven the the first of my top 10 that comes out of a franchise harry potter and the prisoner of azkaban love it so in addition to being in, in the top 10 here, obviously, given that it's the only Harry Potter film in this list, it would be my favourite Harry Potter film as well. I agree. Um, I'm aware. Mm. <laughs> now our audience is too. It, mm. look, it is, to me, it's the perfect Harry Potter film. It is told beautifully. 
it encapsulates the book while still feeling like its own entity. John Williams ups the ante for his score to absolutely soaring new heights. And they have very clever devices for steering the plot along. The fact that the movie is very clearly split into four parts by the use of the change of seasons against the backdrop of the Whomping Willow, that to yeah. me there's a very very clever device also the kids are getting older and there is a big tonal shift in the books at this point as well the first two books you can tell are very targeted to younger children but Rowling is aware that her audience is getting older so she makes the turn in the book and the film adjusts accordingly they've moved into a new director who gives it a much darker aesthetic and the film feels like you you know this story is about to start getting into a very dark place because it has to get to its darkest point before it can get to the light and i feel like this one encapsulates that beautifully gary oldman was an inspired choice as well oh just what a pick and i mean they they also had to pick a new dumbledore at this point mm. and damn they they truly delivered michael gambon I know a lot of people don't like Michael Gambon. A lot of people don't like him, but but look, he did what was asked of him him by the directors and by the production team. Like, and he he, and he did play a confident Dumbledore. And all he asked in return was that they sew a secret pocket inside his um, robe so that he could keep his pack of cigarettes. (laughs) So he got there. (laughs) Excellent. That's my number seven. Number six. Number six is Godzilla 1998. The film completely uh, disregarded by Japan and, uh, well, has since been rewritten back into canon. It was dismissed for a long time. They rewrote it back in again so they could kill it in spectacular style in one of the Japanese Godzilla films. Um, uh, Look, I've heard an interview before with Hank, um, Hank Azaria and he just said it's... Everything that could go wrong with the film did, and it was really not very good, and everyone was disappointed by how much of a flop it was, and it was a failure. Definitely jumping on the back or, or bandwagon of um, Jurassic Parks and everything like that. So um, this film makes it in there for me because it always used to be on Channel 10. Always. Almost it every did. every month it felt like it was on a Friday night on Channel 10, and I had a video cassette of it recorded off of channel 10 and i used to watch it and it would start with the this friday movie on channel 10 godzilla so it was just great to hear that and you'd always just be you're just excited to watch it um the following program is rated m for (laughs) true audiences it contains some violence it yeah godzilla's just it's nostalgic (laughs) it wins on nostalgia i think if i hadn't seen it as a child i remember going to see it at the movies as well um and my mate joey fell asleep while watching it and this is as a child um this look it's a nostalgic movie it's crap i will completely admit it's a shit movie but it's fun and i like it for it being shit and there's lines in there like by matthew broderick saying he's eaten all the fish you know uh, there's the guy that plays the father of the twins on desperate housewives as uh, the, um, uh, the the soldier O'Neill and him stuttering his way through there, and the 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 uh, what's his name, the mayor of New York being a fat fool, like it's just great. It's just funny, and it's crappy, 
it's almost as if it's the whole cast of The Simpsons as well. Harry Shearer, there's um, Nancy Cartwright in there as well. Great film. I love it. It's crap, but I love it. So that's my number six. It's so bad, but I love it too. It, yeah, yeah, it's it's got again. It's a crap film, but I love it. It's I think it's it's the crappest film on my list, but I love it. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's no, a good movie, though. It's like <laughs> it's it was such a big part of our childhood. Did Did you ever watch the the animated TV series that came after it? No, I did not. I didn't know there was one based off, based off of it, or just at around the same time. No, no, it continues the movie as a cartoon series. Man, because so, I've always wanted to know what happened after the egg. Okay, so, yeah, well, well, it goes a little bit into that, but it also kind of differs a little as well. So, back, just to divert out of our top ten for a minute, back around that time, Sony was releasing some really good films, and they wanted to push their animation division. So... They had animated series commissioned all in the same animation style for Godzilla, mm-hmm. Men in Black, and Jumanji. Jumanji, I remember. Jumanji was a great cartoon. It was, because it took you into the game with Alan, so you could actually see the world. Something that didn't actually happen on film until the recent movie. Which is part of why I don't mind the new movie. But I digress. Um, yeah, so there is an animated Godzilla series. I will have to try and find it for you. I mm. do have I do have all four seasons of Men in Black, the animated series, which is quite good. I never watched that one either. Oh, you'll like it. I'll have it's to. The Further Adventures of Agents J and K. I would love to see that then. Yeah. Um, Alright, so that leads me down into my number six, which is Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas, which, oddly enough, is not actually directed by him, but it is written and produced by him. He created the characters of Jack and Sally, and you know what, This it's a very important film for me, it was something I loved when I was young. And it's something I've now passed on to my own son, who can't get into a car without requesting listening to Jack and Sally music. So, it's become a generational thing, and I'm very, I'm very grateful that I can share something so special with my son. And it's, it's an incredible story. It's a Christmas movie. It's a Halloween movie. It's the first full-length stop-motion animated feature, and it introduced the world to these wonderful characters who have transcended over two decades across film, music, pop culture, and have become defining characters for a whole generation of kids who learnt that it was okay to be weird. Oh, very nice. There's so much to it, and yeah, I, I couldn't not have it in this list. Very, very nice. So that leads me on to my number five. We're halfway through. Halfway through. Titanic, number five for me. That's where it sits it'd, on my I, list. I knew it would be high up for you. It had yeah, to be. Yeah. It should be higher up for me, but I again, I was rushed. And it's a hard list, but it's a hard list to, to come up with, and I understand that. So it sits at number five for me for a few reasons. So I've watched it about a million times again. Um, 
nostalgia value is very high. Whenever I used to go to my grandparents' house, my cousins and myself and my siblings would would uh, sit there and watch Titanic. We'd always wait out for our favorite line in the movie. I put the diamond on the coat. In the coat. I ruined my favorite line. I put the diamond in the coat. Now put the coat on her. That. Billy Zane smashing it out. Fantastic line. We loved that movie and we watched it a million times. It was always excellent. And again, my grandmother had it on video after ripping it off Channel 7. Um, And again, another one with Kathy Bates in it. Um, Yeah, look... Titanic was, it's such an amazing, sad, brilliantly well-made film. I've spoken to some of my mates and even they say that, you know, I, I people that I didn't think have much depth or care about cinema so much and wouldn't like Titanic at all. Even they say, oh, there's Titanic. Oh, Titanic's a great movie. And I'm like, I, I, yeah, it is. Thank you for saying that. Absolutely it is. Of course it is. They're like, yeah, it's a great movie. Moments. <laughs> yeah, you know, they and they're, they're right, though. They're, they say, like, it's a, sure, it's a romantic film, but at the same time, there's the story of Titanic, there's the action to it as well of this massive, movable, not movable, this massive kind of real set. They effectively built the Titanic in Baja um, in a giant man-made lake and flooded, and, and they had it there, and they, had a, they really built a part of the ship that they could snap in half or break up. So the production value is so high and the level of detail is phenomenal. Um, and it's just such a great story and well told. And yeah, it's it's awesome at every single step of it, every single yeah. act in there. So yeah, nostalgia, watched it, you know, watched it so many times and also just its quality puts it in there at number five. That movie has the rare distinction of being one of a handful of films that I own on video, DVD, and Blu-ray. Hell yeah. It is... I. There are only a handful of movies that I have on all three formats, but that is one of them. It earns it. Oh, it does. It absolutely does. All right. Um, kicking into the second half at number five for me... And I, I know this is higher up on your list as well. It has to be. I, mm. I know it does. Is Jurassic Park. Mm. Now, I've told I've told you this, and I've told quite a few people this. I'm not sure if I've mentioned it on the show before. Um, my obsession with movies traces back to one distinct moment that I remember, and that was being three years old watching Jurassic Park on channel seven or ten, whatever which would have been ten. Ten had the rights. Had for the first because it would have been the first time it aired on television. Mm. Yeah, it would have been ten. Yeah, mm. ten had the rights. Channel Seven's only just taken over the rights of it, which is sad. Yeah. No, seven had it seven had it even ten years ago, I think seven had it for a bit. Okay. But it would, it would have been the first time it aired. It would have been in 1995. And we were living in Schofields. And I remember seeing the ads and I wanted to watch it. It was dinosaurs. And what three-year-old boy doesn't want to watch dinosaurs? Seriously. Hmm. And I begged my parents and they said yes. And they sat up and I think mum got jack of it about halfway through. She just... 
it wasn't clicking for her and that's fine it's not everyone's thing but it was getting late and she wanted me to go to bed and I begged for dad to stay up for the rest of it and he did but I remember sitting there and watching watching that T-Rex appear for the first time snapping the the fence and stepping out and just knowing there and then that all I wanted to do in my life was make movies and be surrounded by movies and be a part of this process to make something like that and 23 years later nothing has changed it's fantastic fantastic well that 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 very much leads me on to my number four and my number four is jurassic park beautiful jurassic park so it sits there at number four and Ah, the sound effects and the special effects and yeah, my childhood watching it and being like, this is incredible. What a film this is. And it's still the benchmark for special effects. I compare almost every movie special effects to Jurassic Park. Um, and it's interesting even, that we've we've both put Jurassic Park in there, but neither of us claims it as our favorite of the series. No, I know. Yeah, it is. That is very interesting. But it's... Uh, if, if a movie in the top 10 could get like a gold star next to it, it would be Jurassic Park because it is almost the, it's the yardstick for every film. Again, the special effects always get, even Jurassic Park, uh, Jurassic World, sorry, the most recent ones still to me don't stand up in special effects to the original one. Same with the animatronic, uh, animatronics or the puppeteering. Um, Fallen Kingdom is the closest they've come in years. Mm. But, but it still doesn't get there. Yeah. And... The story is terrific, and again, I, I I always see Jurassic Park. It's a little bit weird because it's not just an action movie, it's not just a science movie, it's not just an adventure movie, it's not just a horror movie or anything or a thriller. It's it's kind of a mix of everything, but but it's it doesn't have a particularly deep cast. Um, it's got a great cast, but not a lot of people in it, and it's a very in some ways it's rather simple the idea of it but at the same time it's a very in-depth told very detailed story and ah uh, it just it it just sits kind of in its own category of things it's very very bizarre but i love it so much and will always have a place in my top 10 always have a place in my top five doesn't matter what happens and it'll always sit in the top 10 films of special effects in fact it'll always sit at number one for special effects because this film has done so well so far in advance from any other film for its special effects. The fact that it still outranks films now for special effects is phenomenal. Just that's, goes to show. Mm, and that's my number four. That's a solid number four, to be sure. Mm-hmm. My uh, my number four is The Empire Strikes Back. We're getting into the nitty gritty here of the, um, the highest rated films and there's got to be some damn good reasons why. Now... Among most Star Wars fans, The Empire Strikes Back does actually sit as their number one Star Wars film. Um, I, I have this little theory, and I've, I've had this theory for a long time, that in not in every case, obviously, but in a lot of cases, when, when it's a larger series, the second round will always hit the mark a little better. That's not to say that you have a movie and automatically its sequel will be better. I'm looking at you, Ghostbusters 2. Um, it doesn't... A lot of the time it doesn't happen. 
but when it's part of a much larger story and you hit a second chapter, it just, I don't know. This is, so this is my opinion on a lot of television shows. I think season two is always the best season because the actors are in their role and they hit their stride. Uh, the second James Bond film from Russia with Love, to me, is the best Bond movie ever made. Just mm-hmm. putting it out. But Empire Strikes Back, it was the second one to be made. Obviously, it's number five in a series of soon-to-be nine. But it, the actors are comfortable, the story flows beautifully, and it tells a more intimate, more interesting story that expands upon the world that we've already been introduced to. And who can forget that iconic end to the film? The twist. The the twist to end all plot twists. Pop culture was turned on its head at that moment. It was. And no one saw this coming. No one expected it. And it just... all of a sudden, your villain became so much more. The stakes became higher. And it it changed everything. It really did. It was such a turning point. And, you know, this film introduced us to Darth Vader's theme, the Imperial March. We, we got our first taste of Cloud City. We met Lando Calrissian. We got to learn a bit of backstory about our favorite characters. It, I... I don't know what it is about Empire, but there's something in there that just keeps bringing audiences back to it more so than any other Star Wars film. Mm. Nice I, Star I, Wars. I can't put it into words, but that movie, it just... And it's so quotable. Oh. It I swear, when, when, when Family Guy went to make um, their parody of it, they had a field day. That... It had more quotes, I think, than either of the other two did. Yeah, I would say so, too. They just went for broke with it. Oh. But yeah, that's my number four. Alrighty. So. Number three. Number three for me uh, is my... It's the last comedy on this list for me. And it is obviously my favorite comedy and again nostalgia value is incredibly high um (laughs) i've seen it so many times and i could see it so many times more and it's a sequel uh, sorry the sequel was i think awful and sad but this was fantastic dumb and dumber dumb and dumber my favorite jim carrey film and Jim Carrey is timeless in his comedy and I think Dumb and Dumber uh, you know there's other other roles like Liar Liar um and you know The Grinch and stuff like that where he his comedy comes on but Dumb and Dumber for me is the epitome and when not only um, Jim Carrey's stand-up, but also his acting, Ace Ventura as well, Cable Guy, that sort of stuff. You know, I think Dumb and Dumber was was it was number one, um, and it's so funny. And there's just you either love it or you hate it, and I 
absolutely love it. It is so funny, and there's so many good lines in there, and moments like, you know, want to hear the most annoying sound in the world. Like, that was an improvised line, and it was hilarious. I love it so much. Um, and he just the noise he makes and the stupidity of them, but the intelligence, the they're idiots, but they're happy in their own ignorant world. And they're just, it's just, yeah, it, the, they can't write films like that again. And they can't write jokes like that again. They're just ridiculous shit jokes, but so on point. Um, so that for me is my number three movie and my favorite comedy. It's an excellent choice. Mm. It really is. It's amazing. I don't think that that kind of movie would be allowed out anymore. No, it wouldn't be. And and I think that's part of why they struggled so much with the sequel because the world has changed. And what what was once considered funny is now apparently offensive. Hmm. And it's getting very hard to be able to appreciate things anymore. But alas, we move on. Um, my number three. Now, when anyone ever asks me my favorite movie, I actually give them, give them an answer of it's a bit of a three-way tie. But for the purposes of this, I've actually had to split my, my number one into a top three. So coming in at number three for me is love actually hmm. yeah hmm. of course of course now i'm sure there are plenty of you that wouldn't wouldn't see that one coming it, it doesn't seem like anything too special except that it is it is really special there is so much to this movie it tells so many different plots it doesn't shy away from from telling some harsh truths, from hitting some realities that that may be a little too close to the bone for people. It's a Christmas movie. It's a movie about love. It's a British comedy. And who doesn't love a British comedy? It's got one of the most incredible ensemble casts I've ever seen. And because of the way it's been written, the ensemble work because they're not in each other's faces, they're split stories that intertwine. So you'll get a few connections, but you don't get everyone all together at once. So it works. Absolute testament to Richard Curtis, the writer and director. It was his first film that he directed. That is not a bad effort. I didn't know that, That's a, but it's such a great film. He has directed three films, and that's he's said before that's what he wants to leave it at, to, to have just done three. But what a wonderful one to kick off with. And again, quotable, memorable, just... I, I have to watch it every Christmas. I, I can't not. Mm. And I actually watch it several times. The movie takes place over the five weeks leading up to Christmas, and I usually watch it once a week in those five weeks. <laughs> I love it. The high re rewatchability, then. It's very high rewatchability. I've even watched that movie with the director's commentary. I, yeah, I, I don't blame you. Not Fantastic. something I do often, but I, I love this movie. It just it inspires my heart. It makes me 
want to find love and and the joy tied with a, a I don't know and not cheat something. on someone uh, the sadness yes. of it as well there there is tragedy there is sadness there is love laughter life in every form in this movie and I feel like more people should see it it just mm. there's something special about that film absolutely All right. that brings well, us on to number two yes number two is the lost world jurassic park very good choice the lost world jurassic park look it 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 actually isn't very well liked by a lot of the jurassic park community no it's not because they're all stupid yeah it look um (laughs) it's such a shift from the first one but still the same quality as the first one if you ask me um yeah it's just a different story yeah exactly since so three um jurassic park three uh jurassic world and jurassic world fallen kingdom all are of the same i don't know what story you're trying to tell kind of situation and different budgets and trying to be better than what it is and therefore fails and the special effects isn't there compared to the first two the first two have the same sort of quality feel their same spielberg feel and because they're both by steven spielberg um the lost world tells a very different story to the first one it tells a very action man kind of gi joe story um while at the same time you know it's that that small group sort of feel as well um ian malcolm returns and is the star and plays a very different sort of person a more human kind of person some of his traits are still there some of his traits are explored some of his traits are different um and he's a father here and he's trying to do the best for his daughter and trying to get the hell out of there and trying to help these things and it's got vince vaughn in it which is brilliant and um look it's such a good story and even i even love the ending when it goes to san diego and they have the t-rex in the streets in the city um it's a great movie and it's got a great soundtrack. It's got my favorite Jurassic Park soundtrack and I'm still trying to find it, Drew. Um, and yeah, I I really want that soundtrack <laughs> because it's just the way the way that John Williams adapts the original soundtrack to be more of an adventure movie kind of feel and, you know, the, the drums, the King Kong style drums in it. And it's, oh, it's just so good. Like it's such a great slick movie. I love it so much. Um, and I've watched it probably more than any other movie. I think more than the first one, even. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I would agree. Yeah. Because it's, it's almost an easier watch. You don't have to pay almost what wins over the original one is that it, you don't have to, concentrate as hard on it it's just a great fun story it doesn't require you thinking about has that scene happened yet has this scene happened yet have i missed this it's just telling one story and it's a great story and it's good fun and it's yeah it's uplifting and powerful and it's fun and yeah solid romp yeah it's so for that reason it's my number two movie but i've probably watched it more than any other movie yeah, I could see that. Like like you, it's my favorite Jurassic film. And good choice. 
Yeah, it's there's something about it that just it makes you just keep going back, doesn't mm. it? Mm. All right, number two. Now, yeah, jeez, number two, Super Eight. Now, um, the thing about Super Eight. J.J. Abrams wanted to make a movie that was a love letter to the Steven Spielberg films he grew up with. The films like Gremlins, Goonies, E.T., Close Encounters, Stand By Me, all those sorts of films. And Super 8 was it. In so doing, I'd grown up watching all those films and I've always loved them. And here was one that that was made in our time, but set as one of those films. And for me, it it was those movies made in my generation. And that's why, that's why I had an instant connection with it. But I absolutely love this movie. It has kids on bicycles solving a mystery that's supernatural, that's sci-fi, that, it has all the hallmarks of those old Amblin films, and it is an Amblin film, and Spielberg produced it. It's all there. And it has one of the most incredible Michael Giacchino scores I have ever heard. It could be my favourite Giacchino score. It's... Oh, just... I don't... I, words cannot express how much I love this movie, and how many... I, I've lost count the number of times I've watched it. I've, I've seen it once, but I so badly want to watch it again. And did it, you watch it at home or in the cinema? At home, I missed it in the cinema, and it was one oh. of those ones. It it was that and a Simpsons movie, the two movies that I desperately wanted to see in the cinema, and I just never got around to seeing. And I finally watched it at home, and I was like, I love this movie, but I've not gone back to it. And I saw a clip of it the other day on Facebook, and I was like, I have to watch this again. I so feel we'll make so sure that bad I do. that you missed both of those because I saw both of them up at the edge on the giant screen. But Super 8, it, it got me. It got me, as the kids these days say, right in the feels, you know? And I, I, I remember getting all teary at the end of the film. It just, it really just hit home in by the end of it. And yeah, I, I could not love that movie more if I tried. Anyway, um, we're on to your number one. Number one. This film is is my favourite for a few reasons. One, I think it was the first DVD we ever owned. Wow. Uh, came with a DVD player, I believe. Um, and uh, it was I, I watched it well before I should probably watch the movie the amount of swearing that's in it and action and shooting and blood that in it. explains so much now. No, it doesn't. Don't say that. Um, <laughs> but I, I watched it and I've watched it a lot and I've watched it a lot and a lot and a lot and again and again and again. And it is just cool and slick and like, hell yeah. Like, and it's such a fun kind of uh, almost... It's a bunch of adults playing kids' games, essentially, is what it is, um, while trying to save the world and be the hero. And no one ever wants to be the hero because the hero gets nothing in the end. Um, The movie I'm talking about, of course, is Die Hard with a Vengeance, is my number one movie. Die Hard with a Vengeance, set in New York, um, 
we have um, John McClane by with uh, played by Bruce Willis. Um, this time alongside uh, Zeus, who is played by Samuel L. Jackson, and Jeremy Irons playing uh, Simon Gruber, who is Peter Gruber's brother from the first one in the Nakatomi Towers uh, in L.A. This is set in New York. It carries out across New York City or Manhattan um, before ending up just... Uh, south of the border or just north of the border in Canada um, and yeah it's about a man getting even with the man that killed his brother while also trying to knock down or take down New York's Fort Knox or the uh, National Bank of America um, or Federal Reserve Bank of America of the United States. So yeah, this movie is just awesome. The way that they go go around playing these kids' games, trying to defuse these bombs. They're having to play Simon Says around the city, and it's just a waste of their time. And John McClane's getting a divorce, and he's got a hangover, and he's been suspended, and he doesn't want to be there, and he has to be there, and he has to just fix things and do things and it's just oh it's just hell yeah such an action movie and i love it and i love action movies and this is my <laughs> favorite film it's so good um and yeah i again it's my first the first dvd we ever owned and i've watched it countless times and i could watch it again right now and I, in fact i want to it's so good that's my number one that is a bloody good number one that i have never seen we have to watch it on the projector we will. We will. I I do need to see it. I really do. I've only seen Die Hard 1 and 4, so... <laughs> I'm working on it. Mm-hmm. Working on it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, my number one, um, if you haven't already picked up the tread, I love a lot of 80s movies. I really do. And my number one could not be any more 80s if it tried which is ironic given that it spends most of its films running time in the 50s. I am, of course, talking about the classic Robert Zemeckis-directed film, Back to the Future. There it is. Starring Michael J. Fox, Christopher Lloyd, Leah Thompson, Thomas F. Wilson, and a really sneaky acting role from Huey Lewis, who sings the theme song for the film as well. Yeah. 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 Did you know Huey Lewis's sneaky cameo? No. No, I well I did up until about a week ago when I then I found out about it. Yeah. Yeah. So when Marty's band is auditioning to play the school dance, a teacher gets up with a megaphone and goes, "You're just too darn loud." That is Huey Lewis. <laughs> They, they put him in, like, prosthetics and everything to hide him. <laughs> I love it. But it's him. But yeah, Back to the Future. A lot of people ask me why it's my favourite. It's my favourite movie because it is the everything movie. It is action, adventure, comedy, romance, and, of course, sci-fi. It has every element to it. Who wouldn't love that? In addition, it's got my favourite actor, Michael J. Fox. Amazingly talented guy. 
there is so much history in what went into making this film, and indeed all three of them. I, I could have put all three within my top ten easily, but the first film does still take the cake. And... I don't know, it's this movie that I can just put on any time. I can quote it. I love it. There is... There's something very special there. It's such a simple idea and a simple story that was just perfectly executed, perfectly written, directed, and cast. I I don't know where to begin or end with it. Alan Silvestri's score is iconic. Everyone knows that tune when they hear it. Yeah, it's true. It's just... I'm just looking at it on my shelf right now, and all I want to do is put it on and watch it. And it's something really special when when you can have that feeling, when, when you just look at it and you go, no, nah, I know, that's that's what I want to see. And, yeah, it, I, I have lost count the number of times I have seen that film. Mm. Truly, I have lost count. And there was, a, there was a good amount of years where they didn't play the first one on television. All it was, Channel 10 would just play the second and third ones over and over, and they'd always do it as the double feature. And the first one just went by the wayside. And then, eventually, Channel 7 bought the rights and played it. And I, I wasn't even home. I had to I had to try and set the timer on the VCR to tape it. Do you remember doing that? Mm. Yeah, yeah. I used to do that all the time. Yeah, and I, I was so glad I did, and I, I wore that video out, watching it over and over. And then eventually I got my box set, and I've been very happy ever since. But yeah, that's my, my number one. Um, I'll quickly run through my notables, which essentially were my 11 through to 15. Uh, in 11th place was Toy Story, my favorite Disney movie. Um, number 12 was About a Boy. Great film. Love it so much. Uh, wow. Number 13 was Austin Powers' International Man of Mystery. I had to pick one, I guess, the first one, because it's, you know, uh, it's just terrific. Um, number 14 was Lord of the Rings' Return of the King. Ooh. And number 15 was Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Yeah, that hit my honourable mention list. Yeah, that, yeah, that's my 11 through to 15. All right, well, my, my notable mentions, I've got a handful here that, that sprang to mind. Um, they're in no particular order because I haven't actually worked out the numbers any further. But I've got Alien, the original Alien, Mm -hmm. which very nearly hit the top ten. Mad Max, again, the original film. Uh, Ghostbusters. Terminator 2. Crazy Stupid Love. And The Spiderwick Chronicles. There we go, fantastic. Now's the hard part. Who gets sick end of the week? Um, I'm trying to think of a reoccurring theme. Who was who? What director or actress or actor or producer oh, I, or? Oh, I can give you that one easily. It's Spielberg. Okay, done. So this week's sick Kent of the week is Mr. Steven Spielberg. Yeah, he, he the the number of hits that he had in the the top ten lists and notable mentions. Think about it. You're he right. hit out. He hit our top ten list as a director. Um, once in my category, twice in yours, uh, 
as a producer, he hit it in mind with Back to the Future and mm-hmm. Super 8, as well as obviously producing Jurassic Park. Mm. And he also made my top 10 as an actor in the Blues Brothers. Done. Yeah, he's it. Steven Mr. Spielberg. Mr. Spielberg. You're this week's sick Kent of the week. You can come and ask us, uh, ask us or see us personally for, for or to receive your award. We'll happily take uh, the opportunity to direct a film um, as uh, your reward for us for giving it to you. Anyway, uh, that's about all we've got time for this week. Um, stay tuned for another uh, top ten next week. And uh, we'll be back with fresh content in a couple of weeks. Thanks again for listening, guys. And uh, thank you, Mr. Drew. Thank you, Mr. Phil. No worries. Yep.